truth there, but something that you can you can take with you each day of the week, recognizing that soon and very soon you are going to spend, yes. you are a child of God, you will spend forever with your Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. You guys can be seated as we have one final song uh, for you this morning. You know, we recognize uh, what the book of Revelation says, that when we are in heaven for eternity with Jesus, that we will... Uh, we will fall on our faces and worship Him, uh, crying out, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Um, but yet, I don't claim to know what that's going to be like, what forever will be like worshiping our Savior. Uh, so I think it's worth us asking, what will it be like? And I think that gets to the heart of this final song that we'll, we'll do. Uh, we're going to sing, I Can Only Imagine. And I would encourage you guys, ask yourself, what do you think it will be like spending forever worshiping your King? Thank you. 
to forever worship our God and Savior. Um, something, something for us to think about. Uh, let's go ahead and take that, take a few minutes of, uh, of fellowship before we get into sun.
he could come at any time. So that's what we're going to look at today, and, and I hope to finish the study of the second coming before the second coming. Uh, so let's stand together and we'll look at when is Jesus coming back? That, that's the question. That's what we want to answer today. When is Jesus coming back? So we're going to look at verses 36 to 44. And again, when is Jesus coming back? We said last week it's certain Jesus is coming back. There's no way around it. That's going to happen. Man. There's certainty there. And now we want to know when is Jesus coming back. Starting in verse 36, I'm going to read down verse 44. It says, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, and the other one left. Two women shall be grinding the meal, and one shall be taken, and the other one will be left. So watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in which and what watch the, the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man come. Amen. So in this we'll find the answer to when is Jesus coming back? Let's pray together. We'll study these verses. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, I love that you've given us the signs of your coming, and, and now we can look at the, the wind of your coming. Uh, and God, I pray that we let you answer this question. There's so many voices out there that, that ruin the study of the second coming of Christ because they give all kinds of crazy views on the subject. God, we just want your word to speak. We want Jesus' words to, to ring out loud and clear the answer to this question. God, I pray that it would be our great motivation that after today, when we hear the wind, that we will want to change drastically the way we live our lives from this point on. So help me and help all of us, God. Let, let this trumpet out in our church today and awaken ears and, and open hearts to the, this great truth of the coming of Christ. So please, God, help us today. We ask and pray these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You be seated. The million-dollar question. Uh, when you teach the second coming, is when. I say it's a million-dollar question because if somebody hits the when, then they could probably write a book and get a million dollars out of it. So it is the, the million-dollar question. This is what everybody wants to know. Everybody's asking, are we in the end? Is the end soon? Are we? Is it close? Could it be this year? Could it be 2022? And with everything that's going on in our world today, and you guys know what's going on. You've got a pandemic that's, that's been going on for almost two years now, and you've got an uproar all across the world. Everybody looks and everybody asks, is this the end? Is Jesus coming soon? That's the question that everybody's asking is when. And with that question, you're going to have all kinds of answers. With that curiosity and even an obsession over it, there's no shortage of people trying to answer it. There's a lot of guessing, a lot of predicting, a lot of telling us when. This has been going on for hundreds of years. We've been getting an answer to when will Jesus come back. And I'm going to give you a few of the answers. I looked it up last night. All the predictions, all of the, the guesses, all the, the prophecies that have been thrown out there to the church over the, over the centuries. The first one I found was, and there's more than this, but Joseph Smith the one who founded Mormonism, said he spoke with God, and God told him that Jesus was coming back in 1891. It didn't happen. The Millerites had two dates. The first one was March 21st, 1843. That one was wrong. The guy said, okay, I was wrong. It's actually October 22nd, 1844. Both of them were wrong. Ellen G. Wyatt, the Seventh-day Adventist, said 1850 and 1856, both being wrong. The Jehovah's Witnesses have set dates over and over and over. How about 1914, 1915, 1918, 1920, 1925, 1941, 1975, and 1990. The blood moons, John Hagee, said that Jesus would come back in 2014. And there was a, a preacher just recently coming into the new year said he guaranteed that Jesus would come back and we would make it in 2022. 
There's even a time that, that you can get online right now and watch a clock tick down until the day they say Jesus is coming back. So we're worried about all these things. There was a guy named Hal Lindsey wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. I Googled that. I wanted to buy the book. You can't. It's not out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so what of all these, and I gave you a lot of them, what of all these guesses and predictions, what do they have in common? Every single one of them were wrong. And when somebody stands up like these guys or, or these women or anybody like this that stands up and says, I know when Jesus is coming back, you need to avoid them like the plague. Or we could say today, you need to avoid them like COVID. They're religious quacks. They're out of their minds. All those people like that have given the second coming and the end time study uh, so much confusion in our day. So what we need to do, and I don't want to do that today, uh, all this would be cleared up if, if every one of these would just let Jesus answer it. And that's what we want to do today. We just want the words in red right here. We want to let Jesus answer the question of when he'll come. So let me, let me jump into this, because Jesus has been asked, let me verse 3 with me. This is how the whole thing started. I think we started this the first week of September. We've been going at it a long time. And we asked this question in verse 3. Look at the question. There's, there's two parts of this question. It says, and he said upon the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came with him privately, saying, Tell us, and I'm underlining this, tell us when shall these things be? So they asked the when. And then the second question is, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? So the second question is, give us the signs. What are the, the signs of your coming? And Jesus went down through there, and, and uh, he, he answered the, the what first. And we, we did that. From verse 4 to verse 31, Jesus gave us this sign after sign after sign after sign. He answered the, what are the signs of his coming? And he did it in, in, with general signs and specific signs. And, and he gave the sign in verse 30. So we spent a lot of time on what signs to look for. And now, Jesus is going to spend the next part of the sermon on the wind. He now starts answering the second question, or the first question. And here it is, what everybody's been waiting for. And again, I don't think he gives us the answer that we want, but it is the answer that we need. Because he tells us, nobody knows, and because nobody knows, we need to always be ready for him to come back. Man. That's the answer. Yeah. So let's look at this, and, and I've broken this passage down into to three points for us to look at so we can understand this. And I'm going to start in, in verse 36 and tell you that his coming is unknown. His coming is unknown. It says in verse 36, and, and all these Predictions and all these guesses that were given and that I went over, I did that for a reason because they all could have been cleared up with just one verse. Verse 36. But of that day and hour, no man knows. I mean, that is as straightforward and as clear as it gets. To miss that, you have to be reading the Bible in Greek, upside down, in a dark room with a blindfold on. This is exactly, I mean, it is as clear as it can get. We can know the season. But we, and that's what the signs are for, to kind of know the general season of when he'll come back. But the day and the hour, the exact moment of his return, nobody knows. It's a secret. It's a, it's a mystery. God is not going to reveal to us when the exact moment of his return will be. God gives us so much in this chapter, but he keeps the timing secret. I think it's wrong for us to go searching where God has been hiding this is, this is, we will not know. And the statement is as clear as it can get. For the day and the hour, no, no man. What part of no man do these people not understand? Nobody will know. And we're in good company. It's not just that, that we don't know. What's this? This is not even the angels know. This is good company to be in. These angels who are very important in the end times. We look at that. Everywhere we turn, there's an angel here and an angel there and an angel blowing a trumpet and an angel showing up to speak and an angel, 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 angel. And they're very involved and they're very intimate with God and they're insiders with God. But they don't have insider information on this. God isn't whispering to, to the angels saying, hey, I, I, I don't tell you when it is because you've got to get a jump start on all this. No man knows and no angels know when it is. John Calvin said this, it would be proof of excessive pride to think that we who creep on the earth should know more than the angels who worship in heaven. Yeah. And yet there's hundreds, thousands of men and women who write books 
record DVDs, have YouTube channels and whole ministries trying to tell you when Jesus is coming back. Mark 13 has this. It's not just the angels don't know, so no man knows. The angels don't know. And then Mark 13 has not even the Son of Man himself knows. This is that not even Jesus knows. That in that moment, when Jesus is saying this, he doesn't even know the timing himself. Jesus, the Son of God, very God of, of very God, God in flesh, didn't know the timing of his second coming. You say, how is that possible? How can God not know something? And the answer is, it's part of his humiliation as a man. That there were certain things that he limited. He limited himself in certain ways. He would restrict himself in certain ways in his humanity so that he, he wouldn't use certain abilities that he had. He had all power to the point where he could say on the cross, I have power to send down angels upon angels down here to save me out of this. But I restrict that power and I'm not going to use it. He had all knowledge. You can turn to John. You don't have to turn there. But in John, you see that, that, that the lady at the well, she went running away. She said, well, I met a man who told me all things about myself. He knows everything. So he used his knowledge there. But here in this place, he restricted it and, and was limited and said, no, I'm not going to use it. I, I compare it to me playing basketball with my boys. I'm so much better than they are. I'm so much stronger. I'm so much more skilled. They have absolutely no hope in this world to beat me. Isaiah and Christian, two on one, can't beat me. I can post them up. I can back them down. I can elbow them. I can, I can, I can do a wrestling move on them. <laughs> you get it. You get it. I, mean, I can take them down. It's easy. But when I play them, do I do that? So I go, 11 months and you guys have no hope? I restrict myself and limit myself so that we can have a, have a good game. And it, it's more like 11 to 4. <laughs> and that's, that's, I hate to use that as an illustration, but that's kind of how Jesus is. He has all power and he has all knowledge and he is fully God and, and he's truly God and he has all uh, wisdom and, and all knowledge and he can do anything he wants to do. But in certain ways, as a man, he limited himself. Man. At no part did he, did he lose it or set it aside. He fully had it. He just chose not to use it. And I believe right now, as soon as Jesus was resurrected, he had full knowledge of when he's coming back. It's just in his humiliation, he limited himself. Jesus did that. So this was an act to the, to the root. Nobody knows. But there is somebody who does know. Look what it says. Angels don't know. Man doesn't know. Jesus didn't know at that point. But it says, but my father does know. I like that. God knows. God is omniscient. God knows all things. He's all-knowing. God has never learned a single thing in his, his entire existence. At no point does God ever look into the future and see something and say, wow, I didn't know that, and learn something. God knows all things. He is omniscient. So God knows the day and the hour. The second coming is fixed, it is certain, it is, it is settled. God knows the exact day and the exact hour and the exact second of when Jesus will return. It's on God's calendar. Me and Seth have a calendar. We have it at the house, we have it on our phones. Our phones are, are connected so that we're always getting updates of, of you got to do this and you got to do that. And, and our calendar is full. Four kids going in four different directions. And then me, and doing all these things, and she's got the day, she's got the hour, she has me planned down to the very second of when we need to do things. And God in heaven has down to the last, down to the detailed set of when Jesus will come back. He knows. And it's been set since the foundation of the world. And until then, sin will run its course, and God will continue to save his people. But, again, the wind is unknown. Known only to, to God in heaven. So that's the first point. It's unknown. And I, and I know that's not what you wanted to hear, but that's exactly what we need to, to hear. That's, it's unknown. Second, his coming is all unknown. His coming is unexpected. Look with me at verse 37. You guys, you, you know the story, because now he gives us an illustration. And it's the first of many illustrations he'll give us. It's just an example. It's a, it's a, it's a visual. And he's saying, this is what it will be like. And the only event that even compares to the second coming 
is Noah's flood. So he says here, and I like this, but Jesus believes in a literal worldwide flood. But he says it, it'll be like, what says, but as the days of Noah were. It's going to be just like the days of Noah. And you say, what was the days of Noah like? So if the ends will be like Noah, and we can take Noah's time and, and compare it to our time, if we put those two things together, what will it be like? I'll give you a couple things here. Noah's time was a time of wickedness. Genesis 6 says, God saw that the wickedness of man was great, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Yeah. Evil in Noah's day was completely out of control. It, it was vile, it was wretched, it was wicked, it was beyond imagination. It was, they were coming up with sins just uh, that you couldn't even think of or imagine. It was a wicked time. It was a time of mourning. That in that time that, that Noah was building an ark for 120 years. And he would sit there and build and his family would, would build and people would walk by and say, what are you building a boat for? How are you going to live What's going on here? Noah. And Noah is a preacher of righteousness which would tell them, here's what's going on. God's going to judge the world and, and saving us on this ark. And you guys better get on too. He would preach and preach and preach. 120 years, people walking by, sermon after sermon after sermon, and nobody listened. Building and preaching, building and preaching. And people, watch this, it says here, and people just kept going on with their way of life. Look at it. This is the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were going on with their life. They were eating. There's nothing wrong with these things. I was funny to say that they were eating. They were drinking. They were marrying. They were giving in marriage. Right up until the point of Noah entering the ark and the blood coming. So they just kept on with their way of life. There, there's wickedness going on all over the, the world. He's warning everybody of the, the judgment to come. And everybody at that time just kept going on with their normal life. They were at, at, at ease. Nobody stopped and said, you know what, we might want to think about this. We might want to change some things. We might want to do something. Let's look at this. Let's, let's change our ways. No, everybody just kept on with their normal, everyday life. And never expected a thing. Right up until the day Noah got on the ark. That's what it says. Right up to the day. And this is the point. They never expected. They just kept living their life. Doing their everyday thing. They'd go to work. They'd come home. They'd, they'd eat. They'd drink. They'd get married. They'd, they were giving in marriage. Everything was just normal life every single day. Right up to the point of, of Noah entering the ark. They never expected it. It was a complete surprise. It came out of, of nowhere. It was sudden. To the point where there were no second chances. There were no last words. There were no telling each other goodbye. There was no chance for a husband to say bye to his wife. Or a mother to say bye to her children. It happened unexpectedly out of nowhere. It was a sudden thing that happened. And then there was a complete wipeout. It says, and God took them all away. You see that in verse 39? And he took all of them away. God totally destroyed the entire world and everyone in it except for eight people. A worldwide flood wiped out the whole world. Man. And he says in verse 39, Look at the end of verse 39. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's going to be just like this. And I think the key is the unexpected part. They're eating and drinking and giving in marriage and, and, and getting married. They were living their life as normal. Because I, I think that if we look at our day and, and when Jesus will come back, I think it's going to be a time of wickedness. I, I know we've studied that. It'll be unrestrained and evil where, where God just lets the world go and do their, their own thing. It'll be the most wicked time in, in the history of the world. Sin at a level that we've never seen before. Shocking perversions and, and debauchery and hatred for God and hatred for the truth. So yeah, it'll be a wicked time. Sounds like our day. Yeah. There'll be warnings. There'll be, still be preachers standing up behind the pulpit and preaching the word of God. Warning. But everybody will still be going on with their way of life. Yeah. That's the point. That's the main thing he's trying to get across. Is that for most people in the world, it will be an unexpected event. 
that they will continue going on, oblivious to everything that's going on around them. Preoccupied with their everyday life, doing their own thing in their own way. They like they have their hand head in the sand, going on with, with life. And, and nobody will stop and say, hey, you know what? Things are getting really bad. This preacher is warning us that Jesus could come back at any time. Maybe we need to stop doing what we're doing. Maybe we need to get right with God. Maybe we need to go to church. Nobody's doing that. Yeah. Look around today. I mean, all the things that are taking place, and I said it, from the, the pandemic to the, the chaos to the political upheaval, things are happening in our world today that have never happened in history, and everybody just goes on with their normal life. Yeah. We went through an almost a two-year pandemic, and, the, and the, the statement that everybody made was, when can we get back to normal? Nobody said, this is abnormal. Maybe I need to change some things. Maybe my priorities need to, to change. Maybe I need to be in church more. Maybe I need to study more. Maybe I need to, to reach out to some more people with the gospel. Maybe I need to teach and train my kids. Maybe I need to prioritize uh, the godly things over the, the worldly things. Everybody just keeps on with their normal life. And instead of saying, hey, something's going on here. The world says, next episode. Yeah. Next episode. And we sit like dummies and do nothing about it. Just like Noah's day. And instead of eating and drinking and marrying, we're texting and Facebooking and taking pictures of everything in the world. Yeah. It's going on with our lives. You see it. We preach it. We've been making this up. Uh, it, it's been uh, made obvious to every single one of us what's going on here. And yet everybody, it seems, just goes on with life as normal. Nobody's saying, light bulb, huh? we need to do something about this. We need to change our ways. Nobody. And they'll live that way right up to the point of Jesus coming back. Yeah. That's what this is saying. It's unexpected. Right up until the lockout happens. It's going to come fast. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be out of nowhere. Here, here even they describe the what's this in verse 40. Then he goes from the Noah to, to here's how it's going to be like for you. It's going to be so sudden. It's going to be so unexpected. And it's going to be out of nowhere to the point where it will be, verse 40, that two men will be in the field. That's where men were in the field. They would go out in the field and work. And it was so sudden and so unexpected that one would be taken and one would be left. And the man won't have time to go home and even talk to his wife. But it's going to happen in blink of an eye. The word taken, this isn't about the rapture. This is the one that will be taken in judgment. The one that stays is, is the one that's saved, and the one that's, that's taken is taken in judgment. It's like Noah. The one that stayed in the boat is fine, and then the, the one that's taken or washed away by the flood is the one that's judged. There's a great separation going on here. The great separation happens when Jesus returns, and you'll have those who believe will be saved, and those who don't believe will be judged. These that don't believe will just be going on with their life as usual. They'll be out of the field working. You'll be at your job site, whatever it is that you do. And one will be left and one will be taken. You'll be talking to your buddies. You'll be in your cube. You'll be out uh, doing whatever work it is that you do. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're just living your life unexpectedly. One taken, one left. And it says in the next verse, and two women, that's where, where would women be? They'd be at, at the men. They'll get you in trouble. Men out working, women at home cooking. The women would be doing what they do, and, and the men would be doing what they do. They'll be out in the field working, and the, and the women will be at home with the, the meal. And two women will be sitting there at the meal doing what they do. And, and one will be taken, and one will be left. That's how quick it will be, how sudden it will be. It can happen right now. And there will be some taken and, and some left. It's a, a great separation. And, and the separation is, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? This could happen at any time. Unexpectedly, suddenly, out, out of nowhere. It says in verse 44. Look down there at it with me. Be ready. 
For it'll come in such an hour as you don't even expect it. It'll come when you least expect it. You could be at a ball game. You could be in the gym. You could be cooking in your kitchen. You could be at work. You could be in church. Just doing your normal, everyday activity. And there'll be one that's prepared and one that's unprepared. It'll be an unexpected thing. That's how it's going to be. No second chances at the end. No more time. It's over. You didn't see it coming. That's scary. You won't know when it's going to be. It's unknown. And it will be unexpected out of nowhere. Which means that you're going to get a, a long, drawn-out, hey, this is going to happen in a week. you got to get ready. No time for you to go talk to your kids and say, it's coming, we better get ready. No time for you to talk to your spouse. No time for you to, to go to your friends that you've been wanting to share the gospel with. No time. Just going about your daily activities and all of a sudden, out of nowhere. Yeah. It's unexpected. Let's move to the last point. It's all unknown and unexpected. So I think there's a warning here at the, the last where Jesus says his coming better not catch you unprepared. So his second coming is unknown. His second coming is unexpected. And his second coming better not catch you unprepared. Because it says there, after, after we see verses 41 and 40 and 41, it says in verse 42, here's the application. Here's the take on Here's what we need to do. Here's the warning. Because it's unknown, and because it's unexpected, you better not be caught unprepared. So you better, and he, again, let me say that again. I think that's a profound point that Jesus is making. It's exactly what he wants us to get. It's not our job to know when Jesus is coming back. It's our job to be ready for, for when Jesus comes back. Man. That's the whole point. Everybody's trying to figure out when, and nobody's trying to get ready for when. Everybody is curious about when. Nobody's prepared for the when. We don't know when. It's going to happen suddenly, out of, out of nowhere, when you least expect it. So, therefore, look at it. Watch. Because of all this, that's what the therefore is. Here's what to do. This, this part of the sermon is a wake-up call. It's a, it's a trumpet sound. It's, it's stop with your normal activity. You've got something to do. Wake up. Watch. Be on alert. Stay awake. Know what's going on. Open your eyes. I think we live in a world sound asleep. I think the church has been caught asleep. So we don't see what's going on all around us. That the signs that Jesus has given us is, is falling into place and we're just going on with life as usual. And Jesus here says, watch. And, and, and I think it, in this it would be, watch, exclamation point. Yeah. Watch. Open your eyes. Don't be caught unaware. Don't be caught asleep. Don't be caught napping. Have some discernment. Don't be distracted by, by the normal activities of life. Don't believe everything you're told. Watch. I think this, this should be for us. When we see the word watch, we should say, I need to open my eyes yeah. and see what's going on in the world. I told you last week, it's a good thing to have one finger on the Bible and then another finger watching the world to see how they line up. I think that's how we watch. I think it's okay to watch the news and to, to see what's going on. He wants us to be aware of things in the world. And if you don't see the escalation and the perversion and the depravity of sin and the direction that it's going in, you're blind. You're sound asleep. Yeah. So he says, be awake. Don't be like Noah's time. Those people wasn't watching. They were asleep. So the first drop started falling. Mm -hmm. It wasn't one drop here, you know, a little, little bit of rain. They didn't have a weatherman saying, hey, rain in a week. And they were caught sound asleep. 
be watching. And then he says, be ready. That, that, that's your two take home points. And I, I'm not going to get you out of your with that. The throne's done. He says, watch. That's verse 42. And, and, and he said that. And I want to get this. I want to make sure we nail this down. Timing is unknown. Timing is unexpected. Don't be unprepared. Watch, which is an eye-opening thing. And when you open your eyes and see what's going on, now there's an action for you to take. Get ready. Look what it says. Watch their door. You don't, you don't know what hour your Lord's going to come. You don't know the hour. You don't know the, you don't know the day. But know this. This is a good verse. Know this one. Get this one. The, the, the head of the house, the good men of the house, had known in what watch. And they had, four, I think it was four watches at night, 12 hours. First watch would be 6 to 9. Second watch, 9 to 12. Third watch would be 12 to 3. Last watch would be 3 to 6. So he's saying there, if the man of the house knew what watch, the, the, the general vicinity, the, the, the three hour time that the thief was going to come, he would have watched. Watched. And he would have been ready. His house would have got robbed. He would have watched. Thieves come tonight. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to have to be ready. You say what I'm doing. You say I'm being watched for the thief. It ain't going to help watch if you ain't ready for the thief. I got robbed once. One time. I was, the thief didn't tell me he was coming. I was lifting weights. I thought we were going to eat. Great part of the country. I, I, and I went into the weight room and I was, I was so looking forward to the place. I left my wallet and I think there was $65 in my wallet. I let the door open. I let the window roll down. I was so, just so trusting of anybody around. And I got down with my lid, walked out of my car, and, and my console was open, my wallet was open, my money was gone. Why didn't they warn me about it? If he had just warned me, I would have watched. He says, you see that? I would have watched. I would have had my, my face out the window. But I would have done more than watch. I would have stood the window and said, hey, that guy's still my money. Look at him. He got it. I should have known better. I should have done something. You do more than watch. If he had told me he was coming, I would have watched. And I probably would have rolled my window up and locked my door. And he would have got my money. Sixty-five dollars, I'll never see again. I was a college kid. That was like three weeks worth of work. <laughs> That's back when they paid you four dollars an hour. That's what he's saying here. If you knew he was coming, then you would watch and be ready, would you not? If you knew he was coming, and you get all kinds of signs that's on its way, then you would have opened your eyes. And you would have watched and been ready for it. But there's so many people, listen to me, in the church today who know he's coming. They know it's near. They know the general watch of night. And yet they go into their house and instead of watching, they sleep. Instead of being ready, they're unprepared. And Jesus, it says, will come like a thief in the night. And you better not catch you unprepared. If he would have been ready, if he had been prepared, if he would have acted, if he would have done something instead of going on this normal routine of the night, then he would have gone wrong. But he didn't watch and he wasn't ready. So the point for us here is be ready. Look at verse 44. Therefore, do you get that? It's going right back to it again. Be ye ready. For at such an hour as you think on the Son of Man, that you think not the Son of Man comes. This is the whole point. This is the bottom line. This is what he's trying to get us to do. Not just to watch, but to be ready. He's trying to prepare us for the second coming. I'm going to say it again. It's not our job to know when. It's our job to be prepared for the when. Yeah. We don't want to be caught unprepared. The second coming, all we know in Matthew 24, he's giving us the application. He didn't tell us these things to give us some kind of intellectual knowledge about the second coming. He gave us these things, and again, you may think we spent 
three months, 16 sermons, almost six of these 15 sermons in this, in this passage. And oh well, Josh is just wasting all kinds of time. He's just trying to, to get trying to get Matthew to last as long as it could possibly last. He's hoping that they steal in Matthew when Jesus comes back again. That's not the point of Matthew 24. The point of Matthew 24 is verse 44. Be ready. Because you're going to know when it's going to happen. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you when it's going to happen because I want you to be prepared for when it happens. I want you to always be prepared. If Jesus gave us, we are a procrastinating people. If Jesus told us the exact hour and the exact day that his, he would be coming, every one of us would like to wait until the very last second to get ready. That's, that's just true. I'll look at this sometimes and say, what time are we going to leave? Well, we've got to leave at 2. i got time to watch the show. i got time to do some things around the house. And he gets there, we're leaving at 2. She's frantically getting the boys ready. Yeah? What's she got to get this done? And she's frantically packing a diaper bag. And she's frantically getting all the kids ready. And I'm sitting there on the couch and it's about 5 too. <laughs> I, I haven't even started yet. If you want to be ready, i got five minutes. Two kids and, and frantically trying to get ready. Jesus doesn't, isn't telling us the time. Because he doesn't want us frantically trying to get ready for the last minute. Because there won't be a last minute. Yeah. Yeah. He wants us to live always ready. Man. Always prepared every single day for his return. He wants us to live in a state of readiness. That anytime Jesus comes, we're ready. If it's tomorrow and we're at work, we're ready. If it's today and we're at church, we're ready. If it's next week, we're doing something else, we're ready. Wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we are always ready for the return of Christ. That's what he wants us to do. Always ready. Always with one eye here working on earth and one eye watching for the heavens when Jesus could come back at any time. That, that's what he wants us to do. So let me ask this. And I, I want to say that we don't get this. So that Matthew 24 and especially verse 44, should dramatically change the way we live. It should dramatically change everything about our life. If not, we don't get it. Only a fool gets all this detail and then doesn't get ready. Only a fool has a thief say, I'm coming to your house at 2 in the morning. Don't sell everything you have. And he comes and gets it all and you wasn't ready and you were sound asleep the entire time. You would say, that guy's a fool. Only the fool reads Matthew 24 doesn't get ready. So let me ask you this. As simple as it can get, are you ready? And I don't mean, are you safe? I'll get to that. But are you ready? Christians, are you ready? I believe that there will, Jesus will come back and he'll catch Christians unprepared. Yeah. The Bible says that. So I want to ask you, are you ready? And not just asking, are you ready? When was the last time that you asked yourself, am I ready? You get up in the morning and, and think, Jesus could come back today, I need to be ready. When was the last time you thought, am I ready? If, if he really come back today and I was at work and, and there was an unbeliever here and, and I'm a believer here, would I be ready? Would I be ready for that? Do I have, do I have everything ready? Do I have everything in my life right lined up? Is, is everything ready to go? Are you ready? And I, I know the question is, what does it mean to be ready? Let me give you a few things. And I'll close. Number one, are you standing right now in Zebra Bay? I ask that because it's going to get worse. And if you're not standing now, you won't be ready again. <laughs> We're living in a, in a time, not of a physical war, but of a cultural, spiritual war that's going on all around us. And you've got Christians and you've got churches that are bowing down and taking a knee and becoming silent to the issues of our day. And they're not taking a stand. And they're backing down on some of the, the core issues of, of Christianity. And if you're not standing today, and if you're not strong today, you will not be ready when that day comes. So I'm asking you right now, and I've got to ask myself that as a pastor, if I can't stand when things are easy right now in our culture, can I stand and will I stand when things get hard? When they're going to come in and try to take the pulpit away from me, if I'm not standing right now when things 
my sand did. And you, if you're easily backed down, if you're easily put into a corner, if you easily silence yourself because you're afraid of what somebody's going to say or think or comment about you, then you're not ready for that day. That, that's hard, I get it. But it's easy right now. We've had all kinds of Christians and churches bow down. Are you ready? Are you prepared to stand? There's the first one. I put the, the hard one there. Let me ask you another one. And if I were you as, as Christians sitting in the church, I want to, this is me as pastor, I want to prepare you for his coming. You should be saying, thank you, pastor. I don't because I'm prepared. So are you prepared to stand? Are you pursuing holiness? And by that I mean, are you becoming more and more like Christ every day, every week, every year? Was one of your New Year's resolutions, if you do such a thing, to be more like Christ in 2022 than I was in 2021? Is that something you pursue? Because if you're not pursuing holiness and becoming more like Christ in your life, to, to the point where you confess your sin, do you confess sin daily? Do you keep a, a clean slate? Are you always going to God and, and, and getting on your knees and saying, forgive me for the things that I, I've done today, for the things that I've not done today, there's sin in my life, and, and there's rampant sin in my life, I'm not ready for Jesus to come back. There's not a whole lot of confession of sin anymore. Yeah. I don't mean that you come to me or you come to some little cubicle and, and, and there's a priest on the other side and you say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. You go directly to the Father. Yes. By the blood of Jesus Christ on a daily basis. And if you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness. We should be fighting sin every single day. And if you're not, you're not prepared for Jesus to come back. That's just the truth. I'm reading a book on that right now. The war against sin. The fight against sin. The church must be becoming more holy if it's going to be prepared. Yeah. Not more simple, more holy. Are you confessing sin? Are you repenting of sin? Are you fighting sin? Are you, are you putting up a fight? I know there's going to be battles that we lose and we're going to fall, we're going to fall into sin here and there. But I want to be the guy who's putting up the dukes and fighting against my flesh on a daily basis. Man. Fight it. What are you doing that? Get this. Number three. I'll let five of them for you. Just so you know that I'm probably not going to let you have a I finished my last point ten minutes ago. So I said, are you strong? Are you standing in this evil day? Are you fighting sin? Are you committed to and faithful to church? We need church more than we could ever even imagine. Man. I'm not one of those pastors who say, we need you. I think the Bible says that you need the church more than the church needs you. Yeah. God gave us gracious of the church. And Hebrews 10, 24 says, forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. And even more so as you see the day approaching. Can we say, should I quote that again? Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together. Which is what so many Christians are doing today. Forsaking the assembly. It's almost like they think Hebrews 10 says, Forsake the assembly of yourselves together, and even more so, go to church less as the day grows. Because that's what we're doing today. There's more people dropping out of churches today than ever, and the times are getting more wicked and evil than they ever been. What's going on? We need more church now than we ever have needed it before. Man. And we're forsaking it. Forsake God. And even more so. That tells me we need to be in church more than once a month. That online, as, as great as online is, it's not enough. We must assemble. We must come together. We must be the church. We're going to be strong for each other. This is what we need. That's the day of And if you're not faithfully committed to a, a Bible preaching local church, you're not prepared. Man, that's right. Tweet that out. Facebook that. I'll take a comment. If you're not faithfully committed to a local church, you're not prepared for the second coming of Christ. 
You say, what do you mean committed? Are you serving the church? I, I, I hate to, to pat my kids on the back, but after I was done saying that I could beat them in basketball, terribly. I want to pat Isaiah on the back. This morning, me and him from that early. Turned on the TV, just turned on the lights, went outside with shoveling, was shoveling the ice off the, off the, the steps out there. You guys got in here and didn't fall because there was somebody serving the church this morning. It was my son. Are you serving the church? That's what it means to be committed and, and faithful to the church. You find a way to serve the church. Amen. How about when was the last time you took the Lord's Supper? You said that ain't got nothing to do with it. Then why did Jesus say, do, do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me until I come? Yeah. That part of being prepared for his coming is taking the Lord's Supper. I'm going to go on. That one hurts. That one is ouch. Number four. Really not getting out here early. Are you growing? In your knowledge of the Word of God. Are you learning it? Are you studying it? Do you know more Bible today than you did last year? Do you have a plan? Are you preparing yourself by knowing more of what God has said? Are you sitting for the, the preaching of the, of the Bible? Are you, are you reading it on a daily basis? That's part of being ready. I'll move on. I'm, I'm, you know they call that meddling is what this is. There's preaching and there's getting into your, your, your business. Last one. Are you sharing the gospel? Can you imagine that there, you're sitting there at work and there's you and there's another person and you're a believer and they're not, and you've been putting it off over and over and over. He needs to be saved. She needs to be saved. I need to share the gospel with him. I need to invite them to church. I need to tell them about Jesus. If he's come back today, they go to hell. And they spend eternity uh, burning the flames of hell under the judgment of Almighty God. I need to say something. I need to speak up. I need to tell them about Christ. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it the next day. I'll do it another time. If you're really going to be prepared for the second coming of Christ, then there's nobody in your life that you're not reaching out to. Whether it's somebody in your gym, somebody at your workplace, somebody in your family, somebody around your dinner table, somebody that, that maybe your children that need to hear the gospel because it can happen at any time and you go to heaven and they go to hell, you're not prepared by not preparing them. Yeah. Do you have one? Does somebody come to your mind right now that you thought, okay, if, if, if I'm sitting in my home tonight, and Jesus comes back, and they'll be taking the judgment, and I'll say, they need to hear the gospel. If you're not sharing the gospel with the people around you, you're not prepared for the coming of Christ. And Jesus said, be ready. So that's what we as Christians have to do, to be ready for the same coming. And if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, I think you should be sitting there doing some soul searching. Because there's a, imagine with me that sitting here today and Jesus comes back, least expect it right now. One taken, one saved. There, there's somebody in here today, you want to be prepared spiritually for Jesus to come back. You would be the one in those days who was blocked out, judged, taken to hell. Damn for all eternity. That's a scary thing to think about. Yeah. To be unprepared for eternity is the worst thing that could ever happen to you. Man. So I urge you today, and I do this very somberly, seriously, that if there's anybody in here who has any doubt whatsoever where they'd be if Jesus come back, which one you'd be, the one left, the one taken? Because there's a great separation. You either believe in Christ or you don't. There's no in the middle. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. There's one or the other. And you need to, you need to make that right today. You need to believe yeah. in Christ today. You need to put your faith in him. You know, you know what they should have done in Noah's day? I, I, I love this. I love the illustration Jesus gives. You say, what did they need to do to get prepared in Noah's day? And the answer is, get on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> That's the answer. Get on the boat. The ark was built to save. And it's saved date. And we don't have an ark today. We don't have a boat to get on to. But you know what we do have? We have a Savior who came to save. Yeah. 
us. So instead of getting on and art and being saved, we put our faith in Jesus and he saves. He's a simple the art. Get on Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus and he'll save you from the wrath to come. Because wrath is coming and you need Jesus to protect you from that wrath. So if there's any doubt in anybody in here today, you need to make that right before you leave. Man. Urgency now. Now you need to do it. Be ready now. In this moment. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. If there's any doubt in here today, make it right today. Be ready today. Amen. It could come at any time. That's what he's saying. Be ready. Am I right with God? It's my faith in Christ. Do it now. There's a story told, and I'll close with this. About three apprentice demons who was given the task of coming up with new ways to make sure people stayed lost. And these three demons came to, to, to Satan and said, we've got ideas. Here's the new ideas. First demon stood up and said, here's my idea. I'm going to convince everybody that there is no God. That'll keep them from getting saved. And the devil said, no, that won't work. God's placed it in the hearts of every man that there is a God. All of creation screams, there is a God. Yet they have to be a fool not to believe in God. That won't work. You might get a handful of fools, but you'll not get many with believing there is no God. That demon goes, sit down. Bad idea. Second demon goes, I got a good one. I'll tell them there's no judgment. That they can live however they want to live and do whatever they want to do and they can even tattoo on their arms only God can judge me and they'll think that there's never a judgment and there's no accountability and they live however they want to live and still go to heaven. I'll tell them that. Satan said, they won't believe that. Everybody in their heart knows that the answer for their sin, you might get a handful, but you ain't getting much with that one. Everybody knows judgment's coming. My demon was sitting down. Third demon stood up. He said, I got one. First one said, Don't tell them there's no God. Second one said, I'll tell them there's no judgment. Third demon said, I'll tell them that there's no hurry. Yeah. That they can just keep living on. Everything will be fine. Keep living your life. You can do it later. The devil stood up and looked at that third demon and said, Bingo. You will get a ton of people if you tell them that there's no hurry. Yeah. And how many people do you know is putting it off and putting it off? putting it off because they've been told by the devil that there's no hurry. There'll always be next Sunday, right? There'll always be another chance. There'll always be Monday and there'll always be Tuesday and the, the sun come up tomorrow and I can wait till then. i got to get through this part of my life first and then I'll get it right. And the devil keeps waiting converts after converts after converts because you've got people in pews that are not getting right, right now. Don't listen to the devil. Yeah. Throughout the Bible, God says, now. Yeah. Today is the day appointed in salvation. That's right. Do it today. Yeah. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You say, I don't know about all the second coming stuff you're talking about. You know the second coming sounds an awful lot like death, too? So we don't know. It, it, it's unknown. Right? And for most people, it's an unexpected thing. You, you with me on that? Not everybody gets a deathbed. We're those surrounded by family. And there's a preacher coming in and say, are you right with God? And they say, I'm not. I'm thankful. I'm 95 years old. And here's my chance. Yeah, you can get saved like that. The thief on the cross did. Last moment, last second, got it right. But that's the only example in the Bible that happened. Everybody else is usually a little bit quicker than they expect. It's unknown. It's unexpected. Don't be caught unprepared. You can say, oh, Jesus ain't coming back right now. <laughs> but if he slipped tomorrow, you get out on some ice. 
the card of a sin and the blank that I understand before God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you go to bed tonight and have a heart attack in the middle of the night and you close your eyes to your wife and you wake up to God. It's unknown, it's unexpected. You better not be caught unprepared. There's a lot of people who are caught unprepared. And today, God has said in His Word, look at it with me. Verse 44, and I'll close with this. Therefore, be ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man will come. And I can even take in hey, too. There's an appointment of the man to death. And we don't know that appointment. We don't know the days. We don't know the hour. It could be young. It could be old. It could be in the middle. The key to life and eternity is be ready right now. So I urge anybody in here who's an unbeliever, are you ready? Be ready. Be ready. And the only way to be ready is by putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way. I urge that to you today. If you have any questions, you want to pray, grab me after church. We'll sit down and we'll make sure you're ready. Man. Dead for the second time. And Christians, every single one of us in this room, we need, we need to do some soul searching and say, is there some things I need to change because of what God has said in Matthew 24? Our lives should look drastically different after studying the end times. Let's all make a Resolution, we will be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Because when is he coming back? It's unknown, it's unexpected, and you better not be caught unprepared. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for preparing us. I think this is a warning to all people, but in all times. But I've read many of the older preachers going back to the 15, 16, 17, 1800s. And they all looked forward to coming to Christ. And they lived with the readiness of their life. Because they didn't know. And God, I pray that you would create in us as Christians today the readiness. What do I need to do to be prepared? And help us to do that. And most importantly, God, if there's anybody in here who is unprepared for eternity. God, if they're not saved, not right. They've never put their faith in you. I pray that right now that you would, God, that through this word and by your spirit, let it be a trumpet sound that awakens their souls and changes their heart. And that before they leave this building, they put their faith in you for the very first time. Please, God, let everybody leave this building today, even the people watching online, let them, as they hear these words, know I'm ready. What, what a, an amazing thing it would be if everybody who heard the words of this passage today made themselves ready. Then it would accomplish its purpose. So God make us ready.